It's good to be together. Uh, you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, as they say, and so I want to welcome you to school. You may remember that uh, if you were here way back on July 15th, we talked about the school of Jesus, and we understood from the Gospels that Jesus, a rabbi, a teacher, called to himself students, also known as disciples, whom Jesus invited to learn a curriculum of life his way, to be his apprentices, to walk in his steps, to live into a life which the kingdom of God could be, in which the kingdom of God could be, would be manifest. And you remember that Jesus was clear the kingdom of God was not just a reality into which a person could enter when he or she died, but rather the kingdom of God was a present reality that Jesus in his presence inaugurated and to which he invited people now, today, then, today, now, for this life. And this kingdom reality was and is characterized by goodness and love and beauty, by mercy and justice and grace, by joy and peace and hope, by redemption and reconciliation and restoration. Into that reality, Jesus invited people. Into such a life, Jesus continues to invite each one of us today. And so we continue our training toward this end this morning as students of Jesus. And I hope in some way or capacity you understand yourself, we understand ourselves to be students, to be disciples, to be apprentices who are learning each day. Up to this point in our curriculum, Jesus has taught us, we have heard from him, we have seen him model Loving God wholeheartedly, loving one's neighbors as oneself, being immersed in God's word, living for an audience of one, learning how to give, learning how to pray, learning how to fast. This past week, three different people shared with me their experiences of fasting, about how they had paired fasting with prayer. And seeing God do things that they didn't expect maybe God could do. Another person last Sunday in our congregation began a five-day fast just to experience and to learn and to be available and to open to what God may be doing. It's the reason I'm going through all of these things each week as we go along, spending time reminding us what we've talked about and what we have learned because we expect as Jesus expected, to see progress, to see us change, to see us grow as we learn his way. Are you with me on this? The last one that we talked about last Sunday morning was Jesus teaching about living simply as an antidote to worry, as an alternative to a life that is filled with worry. Instead, living simply with regard to possessions, things, wealth, material things. And the idea in all of this is that we are talking, that we're talking about on Sunday morning is a curriculum for Christ-likeness, a curriculum that we take seriously and which if we not only hear but also put into practice will, by the grace of God, change our lives today. Jesus says, and through us, uh, and through us, the world will also be changed. 
That was Jesus' plan. That was Jesus' hope. In addition to him dying on the cross in our place for the forgiveness of our sins as an atoning sacrifice, as we reaffirmed in one of those songs that we sang this morning, Jesus also came to show us the way, to show us his way and to invite us into that life. And so as we continue along uh, this path, this morning in the scriptures, let me again pray for us. God, help us to get on your page. Help us to be attentive, to understand, to learn, to grow as you would have us grow. Renew our minds, renew our hearts. Transform us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are good and receptive soil. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart. If my words deviate or stray from your word, may they just be forgotten. We pray in Christ the Lord. Amen. We catch up with Rabbi Jesus this morning on his way to Jerusalem. This is his last trip to Jerusalem. He is leaving uh, the city of Jericho. His disciples are with him. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 29. Listen closely, this is the word of God. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them, what do you want for me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and they followed him. And I am tempted, I don't know about you, to read through those six verses of this passage and keep moving with Jesus on the road to Jerusalem without noticing all that just happened there. There's a large crowd behind Jesus, the rabbi, healer, prophet, miracle worker, who has baffled the religious leaders and spent time in the homes of sinners and in so many ways disrupted the status quo of his time, has a mass of people seemingly willing to literally follow him wherever he goes now to go and see what might happen next, what he might do, what he might say, and be with him, be near him, be around him, be with him. And as Jesus was leading this massive throng of people down and out of a city on his way up to Jerusalem, two men who could not see, but could only sit by the side of this thoroughfare and beg, cried out to Jesus, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. People in the crowd rebuked the two men and told them to be quiet. But the two men shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped. He was on a mission. He was on a journey. He was headed to Jerusalem where he would be accused and put on trial and shortly crucified. This was his mission, his purpose, the reason for which he came. But Jesus stopped. And with him, maybe hundreds of people, disciples, followers, 
onlookers, the curious, as well as the committed, also had to stop because Jesus stopped. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And then Matthew tells us that Jesus had compassion on them. And He touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight. And now let me ask you to close your eyes for a minute. Just go ahead. Close your eyes. Keep your eyes closed. This, what you are seeing right now, is what these two men along the road out of Jericho saw. All the time. They saw nothing. This was their world. This was the world they woke up to every day. This was the life they lived every day. This was their reality every, every day. They never saw the sunrise. They never saw sunsets. They never saw clouds in the sky or birds in the trees or flowers in the field or a basket of fruit or the contours of a smile or the eyes of another person, the so-called window to a person's soul. They never saw any of these things. This was their reality. You may open your eyes. And when I read through these verses quickly, because I'm always in a hurry, it feels like. It is as if my mind barely slows down and just glances through the passage as if Jesus himself barely slowed down. And just looked over his shoulder as he kept going to see who was calling out to him. As if Jesus just looks over his shoulder, snaps his fingers, heals those two men, and keeps going. Because that's what he could do. That's what he had the power to do. That's what he could have done. And the two men would have just been absorbed into the crowd that was following him. And they would have gone on their way. Jesus to Jerusalem. But Matthew tells us that Jesus had compassion on them. And that word compassion in the Greek text is a really fun word. Splagnizomai. We're going to say that together now. Splagnizomai. Indeed. And splagnizomai literally means to be moved in one's guts which were considered at that time to be the seat of love and pity. To be so moved that you feel it deep in your stomach, deep in your abdomen, deep in who you are. Jesus didn't just snap his fingers and keep moving. Something happened to Jesus physically. We have to hear that, see that. In what Matthew tells us. Something happened to Jesus physically when he saw these two men, when he heard their cry for help. Our English word compassion comes from a compound Latin word that literally means to suffer with. To share in the affliction or the suffering of another person. To be together with another person in their suffering. For one's own heart to break when someone else's heart is broken or is breaking. That is compassion. 
And this is what we see in Jesus over and over in the Gospels. And we know this about Jesus. But have we also known this about God? About Jesus' Father, about the eternal and ever-present One. Over and over in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament, especially in Isaiah and in the Psalms, God is described as being compassionate, as having compassion, as, quote, full of compassion. And God demonstrated His compassion or His suffering with us by coming to be with us, by becoming like us, by entering into our suffering, by entering into the human condition in and through Jesus. Most of us know the parable that Jesus taught about a father and about two sons, an older son who stayed at home and did what he was supposed to do, and a younger son who asked for his portion of his father's inheritance and then went off to another land and blew it all in wild living. And Jesus, describing God, said that while this younger son in his return home was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. The father ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. He was filled with compassion. That is who the God of the universe is. That is what God is like toward both the wayward sons and daughters as well as the stay-at-home children. That is who God was. That is who God is toward us. So close your eyes again. Close your eyes. Go ahead, close your eyes. You can trust me. Take a deep breath and exhale and take another deep breath and exhale. See the compassion of this loving Father toward you. While the child was still a long way off, the Father saw his child and was filled with compassion for his child. The Father ran to his child, threw his arms around his beloved, and kissed his child. Kissed you. The Apostle Paul began what we know as his second letter to the Corinthians with these words, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion, the God of all comfort. You may open your eyes. The Bible is saturated with compassion. It seeps through the pages of the Old Testament. It pours out of the Gospels, and then is presented as an invitation to followers of Jesus. The Bible talks about a God who has compassion for Israel. It tells of a Savior who suffers for the world, and it invites us into a kingdom in which compassion is the air that is breathed. To such we are invited, and to such we will be drawn when we experience the compassion of the Father of God in Jesus 
in which we are changed, by which we can be changed. I met a new friend this week. His name is Jason. Jason's body is different than your body and my body. When he was born, he had simply a stub for a right arm. His left arm is mangled, malformed. He doesn't have an elbow. It's shorter. He only has three fingers, no thumb, and so operates like this. But the way in which Jason was born have not kept the love and grace and power and compassion of God from completely transforming his heart and his mind and who he is. And maybe they have actually also played a role in that. We, Jason and I and another new friend, were walking down a street in San Francisco's Mission District on Thursday. And Jason slowed down, stopped at a street vendor who was selling fresh-cut coconuts and fresh-cut mangoes. The mangoes were dripping with juice. You could taste them by walking by, the sweetness and the flavor. And he wanted one of those. So he put his money down, and the vendor prepared for him a fairly large container, how he was selling those. And Jason paid him, and we went on our way. He take a, took a piece out of it as he was able, ate a piece with a fork, and clearly was enjoying it, offered some to us. And less than a half a block later, we came to an intersection, and there, almost in the intersection, off of the sidewalk, below the curb, in the gutter, was a man that we would simply call homeless and keep walking. He clearly had spent most of his life in the sun. His skin was leather. What hair remained on the top of his head was long as if he hadn't had a haircut in years. His clothes were rags. He was covered with dirt simply because he hadn't bathed in months. His fingernails were black. He didn't really look up. He was busy stuffing a crushed flat aluminum can into a metal storm drain grate there in the gutter. Why? No one knows. But that was the world in which this man's mind lived in. Paying no attention to the people or the cars or the busyness that passed him by. And Jason, seeing this man, had compassion on him. There was compassion in his heart and he took his con container of mango, got down in the gutter with this man, down on his knees, and offered it to this man who could not even look up because his dignity had so long since been taken from him. And Jason indicated to him, do you want some? This is for you. And it was as if the man had never been offered anything like that in his life and didn't know how to respond. But Jason showed him, Jason helped him. 
And the man's attention was turned from the aluminum can and the grate. And he enjoyed that feast. And we went on. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In the words of Henry Nouwen, compassion asks us to go where it hurts, to enter into the places of pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powerless. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. In Dietrich Bonhoeffer's profound words, he writes, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. Whether they be Christians who are persecuted in different places around the world today because of their allegiance to Jesus, or the Jews whose synagogue in Pittsburgh was the target of a hate-filled gunman a week ago, or those in our nation who are subjugated because of the color of their skin, or the country from which they come, or the language they speak, or the faith to which they hold, or the preferences they express, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. Whether they be the elderly or the afflicted or people who experience the agony and even the torment of physical disease and mental disease or social disease, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. Such is the heart of God. And as we do those things, we will be changed. God will have appeared to us. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What else could Jesus have meant? but that those who are pure in heart will in some way, shape, or form see God. Another new friend with whom I was able to spend some time this week has written, there are two places where we are sure to find God's presence in our world. In the quiet of prayer and in the faces of those who suffer. Because that is where he is. That is where he has gone. That is where he comes. If you want others to experience the blessings of God, practice compassion. If you yourself also want to experience the blessings of God, practice compassion. To that end, the ushers are going to pass out now some little cards on which are written on one side these words that kind of spin out of these verses from Matthew's gospel that we have read this morning. Today I will hear people and today I will see people. And today I will stop. And today I will pray. 
And then this little prayer that you are, are invited, that I invite and encourage you to pray many times each day over the coming week. God of compassion, have mercy on this person who is your beloved child. Amen. And I want you to keep this card where you'll see it, stick it in your pocket, put it on your mirror, put it on your dashboard. Be encouraged to practice the way of Jesus by hearing, seeing, stopping, looking, and looking into the eyes of another person and praying a prayer like this or this prayer for them. And then on the other side of the card is something different. It's a prayer for yourself, for ourselves, which in varying degrees is good for all of us also to pray. God of all comfort, thank you for your compassion in Jesus. Today I receive your love. Amen. And I encourage you to use both sides of this card this week, maybe whichever side at whatever moment you need most or is best fitting. As individuals, as a body, as we seek to walk in the way of Jesus, as we seek to live in Jesus' way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to remember not just now and in this moment, but in the minutes and the hours and the days, the comings and goings of this coming week and beyond. The stories behind the eyes, the stories behind the actions, the stories behind the lives, the ways in which people around us suffer, are afflicted. experience hardship, have aches and pains. Help us to see the people who don't look like us, who don't act like us, who are different than us, through eyes like yours of compassion. Remind us of the things of which you have spared us. Remind us of the ways in which you have blessed us. Help us, as Paul wrote, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. We thank you for your compassion toward us in Jesus, for coming to be with us, to coming to even be like us. Give us the courage to go and to be with people who are suffering in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, among strangers on the street, strangers in cubicles, strangers in the gutters. Fill us with your compassion. We pray these things in Christ the Lord. Amen.